Hello and welcome to the SAE Tomorrow Today podcast. I am your host, Grayson Brulte. On today's podcast, we're absolutely honored to have Congresswoman McMorris Rogers. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be with you. Oh, this is really, really exciting. You gave a speech once where you said, no challenge too great, no dream too big. And you spoke these words during the 2014 Republican response to the State of the Union. Will you please kindly expand upon these powerful words? Sure. I I believe those words today. I believe those words then. I think as we navigate the, the biggest health and economic crisis of our lifetime because of the coronavirus, that it comes back to the promise of America. You know, I have with me the my copy of the Constitution, and I, I, love, to, I love to carry it around. I, I love to go to high schools and talk to seniors about the, the, the Constitution, the preamble to the Constitution. And it's in the preamble of the Constitution that we read that we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and you know, and on and on. But it's, it's about the people. And right now, there's this sense of despair. There's a sense of uh, fear. There's a lot of fear right now. There's a lot of there's a fear of the unknown. There's a fear of the coronavirus. There's a fear of more isolation. There's a fear of taking a risk again. And I believe that it is with innovation, uh, American creativity, American ingenuity, that we find the inspiration that America will win the future and that we'll actually come out out of this stronger than before. So, you know, one of our, our challenges and um, of our time is, you know, what about the future? And I've been saying since the beginning of this year, even before corona, coronavirus, that the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And something that I've added more recently is that to invent it, we will find the courage to dream again. That's powerful, because when I look at America, and same as you, I see a land of endless opportunity. And how do we ensure that innovators and entrepreneurs can continue to innovate and build new businesses without government intervention and overburden regulations? We need to make sure that that remains the American way. We need pro-innovation. We need pro-consumer agendas. Uh, the key is really around lifting the regulatory burdens that so often hold back the, the innovators, the startups, the entrepreneurs. You know, one example is around emerging tech. And I'm, I'm leading right now on the Energy and Commerce Committee on a package of bills to, to really spur and make sure that America is leading in emerging tech. And, and, and I'm talking about AI, uh, autonomous vehicles, quantum computing, next generation tech. But the key is to make sure that we are incentivizing a new era of American innovation. And our, this, uh, this whole package, this global competitive uh, package, this agenda really incentivizes free market American ingenuity. And that is, that's been our past, that's been our future, that's why we have led in every field, every industry. And that's what we need to continue to, to encourage and ensure as we move forward that we have this whole, we have another era of, a, of innovation. And for our listeners who might not be familiar with energy and commerce, will you please kindly share some insight about the committee and your key priorities on that committee? Absolutely. This this committee is uh, one of the oldest committees in the House of Representatives. It was established nearly at the beginning. The Energy and Commerce Committee has broad jurisdiction over energy, technology, healthcare, emerging tech. It's a committee that 
is at the forefront of America's competitiveness. You think about these issues, these are the issues that are going to, de to determine American leadership, whether or not America is winning the future. And, and so it is a committee that is really at the forefront of, uh, of our future right now. And I'm excited to serve on the committee and to lead on many of these issues. And one of the issues that you're working on a lot is around autonomous vehicles. And your work on the committee, how can you ensure that innovators continue to innovate and they're not worried about IP theft and that these companies can build and grow here in America? Well, uh, that's, that's where we really need a national framework uh, to allow for autonomous vehicles to move forward. This is our future. Uh, and it is another area where we need to make sure that America is leading, that that America is the, the country where the, the research and the development and the deployment can take place. And right now, uh, there's some resistance, largely from the trial bar, uh, uh, but I believe that we can do it in a way that ensures people's safety, but also makes sure that America is leading. China is, is, we're in a race with a lot of other countries, including China, and China right now is is um, on our roadways, testing vehicles, collecting data. And we need to make sure that we are, we're allowing the innovators to, and the, uh, to deploy. And we need a path to commercialization. And that means that we need that federal framework. And how in 2017 was the Self-Drive Act able to pass 54 to nothing on the committee? Well, uh, there was a lot of support. Uh, the, the leadership of the committee was fully behind the Self-Drive Act. And right now there's been more concerns raised. Uh, quite honestly, the trial bar has been raising significant concerns. And, and, I, and I, that's why the bill never passed the Senate. And that's why we are having some challenges this year. They really need to come to the table. We need to make sure that we have, we have legislation that will position America uh, to move forward. And, and you know, th right now, for example, there's laws on the books that would require every car to have a steering wheel, okay? <laughs> well, in these driverless cars, there may not be a steering wheel. And that's where we need to address the national law, the Drive Act, or similar legislation, and encourage the, de the development and the deployment. Without a national framework, can America lead on autonomous vehicles and uh, development and commercialization? I don't believe so. Uh, that this is where America, we really need to get that the law passed. We need to get the the national standard in place. Uh, we need the Department of Transportation to continue to move forward from a regulatory perspective, to uh, create a path for commercialization. Right now, the companies that are investing in the research and are uh, doing the testing, they need to have that path to to commercialization. And that's only going to happen through a national a national framework. Do you feel that without a national framework and the patchwork of laws that are popping up across the United States that that's leading to a lack of investment in this industry and where that they're looking to invest in foreign countries possibly? I think it's important that we take action as soon as possible. America is the leader in technology, is the leader in innovation. This is the this is the country that ha that has been leading the world, and there's a lot of companies in America, a lot of startups that are that have raised the money that are investing in in uh, testing and want to do deployment. And 
I, I think that we just need to make sure that we get this done as soon as possible, that we continue to talk about the positive impacts of driverless cars, that it can reduce congestion, re, um, reduce carbon emissions, uh, the movement of people and goods will be more efficient. Uh, I have, a, I have a son with disabilities, and I think about his quality of life, his ability to get around town with a driverless car. It, it will open up worlds to him that those with disabilities right now do not have. They, they quite often are, are isolated at home. Um, seniors, the opportunity for seniors to be able to uh, take advantage of driverless cars. There's, there's huge potential uh, for, for driverless cars, and it is our future. And we need to embrace it and do it in a way that's going to be safe, uh, but that will allow for that commercialization to take place in America. Does the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards, do they have to change in order to allow uh, those with disabilities and, and with seniors to eliminate the steering wheel? Does that have to change, or is that mostly focused on uh, delivery bots? Well, I, I think they do have to change. Um, where We're going to have to make those adjustments to, to recognize that the car of the future is not going to look the same. Um, but uh, there's there's a lot of support, bipartisan support in the House and the Senate, and we just need to get this done. Um, I think you know, I I recently wrote a letter to the Department of Transportation that was uh, just urging them to continue to move forward. You know, uh, one one key provision of the Self Drive Act was establishing an autonomous vehicle advisory council. And, and one of the, the main duties of this council would be to advance mobility access for the disability community and address any specific issues that may harm their ability to access the technology. And that's, that's where we need to focus on breaking down the transportation barriers and creating more opportunities and more freedom and more independence. You're 100% you're right about giving them their freedom back, especially um, I have a grandmother who's 92. And she can she can no longer drive, and we took away her driver's license. She's like, I want one of those cars so I can go to the beauty shop and I can visit my friends. And she's like, I want my freedom back. I don't want to be stuck in the house for you to tell me what to do. So, you're a hundred percent spot up on, on that. Well, my dad too. You know, he, he's eighty two. He recently took me to the airport uh, to fly back to D.C. and he said, "You know, Kathy, I probably shouldn't be driving anymore, right?" And she's <laughs> driving me to the airport. But I think about his world and what it would mean to him if he weren't able to drive. I mean, he loves, he loves to get all around the, the, this region and uh, his, his world would um, be opened up so much more with the access to a driverless car. And I wanna st- stay on the, on the family theme here for a minute. And you grew up on a farm, uh, worked on your family's uh, peach crest fruit basket, orchard and fruit stand in Kettle Falls, Washington. That obviously taught you a lot about hard work, and we're seeing that today as a member of Congress, and we're very thankful for your hard work. Were there moments from these years that helped shape who you are today and instilled that hard work that you're showing today for uh, the citizens of your district? Sure. My family owned an orchard and fruit stand in Kettle Falls, Washington. It was a small family-owned and operated fruit stand. So I worked alongside my brother and my parents, and it meant that we all had to step up at different times. You know, I, th- I think about the days in the summer when my, my friends may be going to the, to the river to go swimming and I was there picking peaches. Or I remember when, when my dad, uh, when, when like 
voice voice uh, uh, recording machines uh, like voicemail just started right and I and I was advocating that we didn't have to run from every corner of the orchard to get the phone call that we could just let the answering machine to pick it up and he said oh no we don't want to ever miss a sale and just that commitment that he made I I also remember he always put a little bit of extra extra peaches or apricots or cherries in the box so that no one would felt like they were shorted. And I think about all of those lessons around hard work and doing the right thing and everybody matters. I think they're all foundational to who I am and how I approach representing Eastern Washington today. And I feel it's important to point out that you were the first member of your family to attend college. What was the reaction of your, of your hardworking parents when you told them that you were going to college? It really was a dream come true for them. For as long as I could remember, I was they had me saving my money so I could go to college and they sacrificed for me to be able to go to college. My mom, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, one generation removed, my mom, she really felt like her career choices were either to become a teacher or a nurse. And she had a full ride scholarship to, to become a teacher to Oregon State, but dropped out her freshman year when her dad passed away. And she was determined that her kids were going to graduate from college. And I'm so grateful for my parents' sacrifice and their commitment to ensure that my brother and I would graduate from college and have that opportunity for a better life. That's wonderful. And with you know college getting ready to you know, hopefully go back in the fall for, for in-person, what do you think the future of innovation is, America? And do you see a lot of the innovations coming out of, out of these colleges? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's exciting when you think about the, the future of innovation in America. Uh, a new era of innovation and innovation is our future. It's how we win the future. It's how we're going to ensure that America continues to lead. It's how we're going to continue to raise the standard of living and, and, and improve people's lives. It's how we're going to maintain our global leadership as a country. So innovation is the key. And I believe that coming out of, come out of this very difficult time, both the health crisis and the economic crisis, that there will be uh, a whole host of new ideas, uh, new new products, new services that are going to Im further improve our lives and lead a new era of innovation uh, for for the next generation. And I, I agree with the, the next generation and I have a, a six-year-old daughter and so we're always talking about robotics and she's been very lucky to go in several of the self-driving cars and says, see daddy, this is cool. I can go to school. You don't have to take them anymore. And, and hopefully um, we'll be able to uh, to get there one day. And as a, a, a mother of three children, uh, how do we ensure that our children have access to innovative STEM robotics programs in schools? Yeah, great question. And I too have, I have three young children, two daughters, and I am always looking for those opportunities to introduce them to the STEM field, uh, to robotics, and just introduce their minds to the idea of understanding how things work and and better, and, and just um, getting their creative minds going. So I think we need to continue to encourage our schools to offer more programs. There was a time when many of them were cut because they were seen as expensive. And I'm encouraged now that there's more industry investment, more public-private partnerships, more focus on especially women and young girls and introducing them to the STEM fields. Um, in Eastern Washington, it's going to be very important that they have broadband and have a connection because that's going to be really important uh, as you think about kids um, having access to the world. But 
uh, whether it's science, technology, engineering, or math, we need more young people to to understand the the, the possibilities. I, I remember years ago, uh, as in learning that young women in particular, they're thinking about what career fields that they want to pursue, that they will they want to they want to make a difference for the long term, and quite often they don't see the STEM fields as having an impact over the long period of time, which is kind of odd. Because it's really the STEM fields that are at the foundation of innovation and creativity and uh, new new ideas. And so we we have to connect that for our young people more that want to want to have a legacy, and this is a great way to do it. In the Eastern Washington, what new ideas could you see emerging from these STEM products? And an individual uh, young student from your district can go on to see a problem in there and to go on to change the world built right there in, in your district. Well, I can tell you before coronavirus, I was going around to all the high schools and uh, talking with young people. And one of, the, one of the funnest conversations to have with them was around autonomous vehicles, as we were talking about earlier. And for most of them, I found it interesting that they, they really hadn't given a lot of thought to driverless cars. And I would ask them, are you excited about driverless cars? And you know, a handful, you know, maybe maybe 25% might raise their hands. But by the end of it, I think they were they were thinking about what it would mean and the impact that it would have on their lives and their families. And as we said earlier, those with disabilities and seniors. And, and I think so part of it is just to get them imagining what's possible. And, and having those those conversations where they start thinking about, you know, the, what impacts that they could have. In Eastern Washington, we have long been leaders in energy. Uh, uh, we, have, we have many examples of clean energy solutions right now being developed in Eastern Washington. Uh, cross, we have a lot of timber. Uh, we've been leaders in cross-laminated timber. We're leaders in energy relay systems and metering and uh, wind farms. And so there's, there's, there's so many examples. And even during this coronavirus time, I've, I've heard the examples of people that are taking American ingenuity and creativity to solve problems. So it was uh, the, the dry fly distillery that now is making hand sanitizer or the, the, the high school student in Newport that started printing masks on his 3D printer because his mom was a healthcare worker that didn't get mass at the beginning. You know, there's just so many examples where people take their creative ideas to make a difference. And that's what America's founded on. And we have there's great entrepreneurs and and there's also um, you know great leaders like yourself that make this make this possible without burdening you know these innovators with um, undue regulations. And we we thank you for that and. As we, we look to wrap up this wonderful interview, I'd like to um, le- ask you this one last question. What advice would you have for a young individual who's interested in serving their community in public office? Well, I would, I would encourage them to get involved. I remember growing up, my dad was pretty active in the community and he challenged me not to be the person that just points out how someone else is not doing it the way it should be done, right? The critic, um, but to be the person that actually gets involved, gets a seat at the table, 
becomes a decision maker. In Kettle Falls, Washington, if I didn't like, you know, I remember I was, I, I don't know, I didn't like the way they laid out the fun run one year, right? <laughs> and he said, okay, Kathy, well then get involved and you do it, you do it the way that you think it should be done. And I think that's the challenge before all of us right now is to, is to get involved and to take the ideas that you have as to how you can improve a community, improve people's lives, improve a product and do it. And let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate the contributors. Let's just, uh, I, I, I think we need to stop tearing each other down so much and start celebrating what different people are doing in different ways, the ideas that they have that are going to positively impact other people's lives in our community. Let's celebrate that and encourage that and usher in a whole new era of innovation. And as we've heard on this podcast, America leads on in innovation and Congresswoman McMorris Rogers is working on ensuring that America will lead on all things autonomous vehicles with the um, national framework. So Congresswoman, thank you so much for your time and thank you for your, your leadership and thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's great to be with you. The best is yet to come. Thank you for listening to SAE's Tomorrow Today podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate it share your feedback, we love comments, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information on SAE and SAE podcasts, be sure to visit sae.org forward slash podcast and follow SAE on social media at SAEINTL on Twitter and Instagram and at SAE International on Facebook and LinkedIn. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.